this is Sarah, and you are listening to The Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM, broadcasting live from UBC Point Grey campus on the unceded Musqueam territory in Vancouver. We have a great show today, and uh, without um, further saying anything, I guess, without further ado. <laughs> um, so we had an interview uh, planned for last week. But last week was so packed that we did not have time to air it. And it was going to air last week. So we're sorry if you were planning on catching that and you couldn't uh, because we didn't air it. Um, you, well, you're going to listen to it now. And we're really sorry. Well, yeah, anyways. <laughs> it is an interview that Lua did. And she is not in the studio with me right now, but, you know, it's always nice to have a pre-recorded interview because you get to listen to people that are not even in the studio. That is the magic of recording. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not going to say any more stuff. I'm just going to play it. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. I am here today with Roberto Verdeccia. Um, to talk about Be Afraid, The Science of Fear, his new documentary that is coming out on November 1st at 9pm. And hello, Roberto. How are you today? Good. I'm very good. How are you? I'm good, too. And you're talking to me all the way from Toronto, right? That's it. Yeah. How's yeah. the weather there? <laughs> oh, it's lovely. Today is great. Although it's supposed to rain on the on Halloween. So that's that's a drag for kids. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Be Afraid, The Science of Fear, very spooky, very Halloween-themed. I'm guessing the date that it's going to be released has to do with, you know, the end of October. Um, yeah, exactly. So I'm wondering, what's the idea of making an entire documentary about fear come from? Um, well, you know, on the one hand, it's something that we all know, and there's a great fascination if you look at the popularity of, you know, horror movies, horror video games, even haunted houses, even Halloween. You know, you start to wonder what is it about fear that, um, you know, what's really going on. But, but in particular, um, the last film I did was about the wildlife in your home. So all about the insects that live, you know, with us all the time. And I, I was pretty creeped out by the house centipede <laughs> and uh, always kind of couldn't stand to be around them. But then I noticed that the more I filmed them and got to know them and understood them and even studied them, sort of learned about how they worked, um, that fear, you know, went away. Now, I, no, I'm not saying I like them now, but I, I don't fear them like I used to. They're sort of more fascinating. So I began to wonder, and I just researched, started to research the topic, and it uh, turns out there's a lot, a lot of interesting science research going on around the theme of fear. And how much did you know before starting the film, and how much did you learn while doing this film? Oh, you learn a ton. So, so yeah, you really maybe just start up with a question or two. Like, like it could be like that. Like, you know, what's going on? Why did I overcome my fear of centipedes? Or, or how does fear work? You know, you don't know very much at all. Um, and then you get deeply into. I got deeply into neuroscience and and learning how fear works in the brain, learning how fear works socially. So, so you end up learning a ton, and you speak to these, you know, top experts in their field. Um, so for a while, you know a lot, and then of course, you know, months from now, I'll, I'll forget <laughs> <laughs> a lot of what I've learned. But you know, a lot of it sticks with you, also. Awesome, and I mean, you can always revisit that documentary and be like, "Oh, right, I learned this while doing this." Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I knew that. I did that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what do you think? Fear is so hard to understand. Do you think there is a lack of interest to understand it, or is it just too complex that we have don't have really the science to explore it? Yeah, I guess, I mean, uh, you know, on one level, it's it's very well known. It's a very basic emotional response that's been studied for a long time. So, so the basics of it are well known, but it's kind of like the fine points are still, I think, up, up for discussion. So at some level, there's even a discussion about whether or not you know what it is like how do you how do you measure it or you know, like to put it simply or at least to put it in the way that i understand it um it's really like you know you something happens threatening and you have all these feelings you you start to sweat your heart rate goes up you start to breathe more more quickly some people say then then that is what we call fear other people say no you feel fear and then you have all these uh you know 
things that happen in your body. So it's kind of like, is, is fear just a word that we put on to a, 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 an emotional response? Or is fear something more, does it come first? That's kind of a, a thing that some people are, are sort of looking into. And, and it has to do with, you know, stuff at the neuroscience level that I don't, you know, I don't understand at all or get into it all in the film, really. But it's kind of at that level that they're beginning to to talk about it. But there's also, in the film at least, we, we talk about, um, or we interview a researcher who studied this woman, who's a very, very interesting case, this woman who doesn't feel fear. She's like one of the only people in the world uh, who doesn't experience fear. She's missing a part of her brain, the amygdala, which everyone always sort of thought of as being the fear center of the brain. So she doesn't have this part of her brain, so she doesn't feel fear. So she's been threatened before at knife point. She's been threatened with a gun, and she didn't blink. She kind of reacted as if somebody was asking for, you know, to borrow a pen or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, yeah, it's wild. So through her, they've learned a, a lot, and they've learned that, in fact, the amygdala isn't the only place that fear um is controlled in the brain. There's other circuitry as well because they were able to finally find a way to scare her. They spent, you know, like a decade <laughs> trying to scare this woman, showing her <laughs> creepy films and doing all sorts of stuff to see if they could get a reaction out of her, and they couldn't. But uh, finally found a way to trigger a fear reaction in her. And, and with that, they learned that fear isn't so centrally located in the brain as they thought. So I think, that, I think that's a good example of even at this basic level, there's still a lot to be learned. And so all of that journey is, exp- well, you can see it, part of it, in the documentary, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, we talked to this researcher. We don't talk to the woman itself because her, um, her identity has never been revealed. Just oh, for see. safety's sake, it would be too dangerous to reveal her identity. She'd be taken advantage of so so easily. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, that was going to be my next question. Like, do you think... There are people out there that don't feel fear. I guess we know. I know the answer now. They are. Yeah. Yeah. They're just are very uncommon. Yeah, there are some. I mean, there's some cases of sort of psychopaths that they've said that they have a problem with their brain, like they have brain damage, and they don't feel fear, and they don't have empathy, right? They don't feel somebody else's fear. Um, so that's one kind of case. But this is a very different case. This is a woman who um, she's very compassionate. In fact, she would give all her money to homeless people. Um, because she cared about them and she was worried about them, but then she wouldn't have any money herself for her rent or for food because she didn't have in her brain, she didn't have the idea of fear of going hungry or fear of not being able to pay the rent right at the end of the month. So it even works down at that level. And that's fascinating. And then you kind of yeah. really realize like how fear is so important to us as humans. Um Wow. Wow. I'm so like mind blown right now. <laughs> so why do yeah, you yeah. think, uh, oh, sorry. And what was the process of finding these individuals and like building the documentary like? Sorry, the process of finding them and, and, yeah, and so including them in the... Exactly. So how did you find, for example, this researcher and some of the other people that you talked to? Um, how was that process like of compiling that information? <laughs> Yeah, the, um, well, I was working with a producer and researcher, Rita Katsia, who, who did a lot of the work. Um, really, it's, it's uh, you know, when we started with the idea of fear, we start researching on the Internet. You start looking at articles, reading books and magazine articles and so on, and you, you find various stories that um, that become of interest. And then it's a matter of following following up. You, you know, we, we knew we wanted to cover something, so we wanted to cover the latest in treatment, right, phobia treatment. What's what's the science and what's the latest in phobia treatment? We knew we wanted to, to look at the fun side of fear, too, or sort of address this question of why is it that people are willingly... Um, you know, willingly go into haunted houses. Why Why would you want to do that? <laughs> why do people watch horror movies? That kind of thing. So we wanted to address that. Um, you know, so then you start to looking looking for who are the experts in that, in those fields, who, who and who's available and who you can speak to and who speaks English or, or whatever, however the case may be. Well, yeah, and I'm one of those people that loves horror things. And I love, I just love that thrill. <laughs> oh, yeah, really? Yeah, I, I, I kind of do. I, I, I do, but I'm, I don't know, you know, I watch some scary, scary movie, and uh, and halfway through I'm thinking, why why am I watching this thing? I'm scared <laughs> out of my wits, you know, what? and then when it's over, yeah, it's a rush, it's great, but at the time, sometimes I'm thinking like, eh. so there's always trepidation, I don't, I don't, I'm not the first one to line up for the latest, the latest horror movie, that's for sure. 
And so what do you hope after people finish watching this film, they take away from it? Um, I don't know. You know, I, I can tell you for me, the, the interesting thing was I, I kind of, when I first approached the theme, I, I had this idea that fear was, you know, the fear was bad. Fear was something to be avoided. It's bad. You want to get rid of it. You want to overcome it, um, which is a very kind of simplistic view. And uh, so I really learned to appreciate fear and to, to realize how important it is, how much it keeps us safe, um, and even how, you know, you don't, if you're not afraid of fear in and of itself, you can kind of try to cozy up to it <laughs> a little bit. And like that, you can kind of expand your limits. You can kind of test your resilience. You can kind of be a bit... Um, a bit stronger you can overcome you know so you don't have to run away from things that are afraid you might want to just push it back a little bit and sometimes that's done through through that fun scary kind of kind of way like haunted houses and so on so i don't know i guess for me you know i don't know what other people are going to take away from it but um but we call it be afraid you know for for kind of a joke but also that to, to try to convey that sense that fear fear is a good thing this is, it's not necessarily a bad thing it can be very can be your friend sort of. I'm very excited to watch it. Um, Be Afraid, The Science of Fear, which is coming out November 1st, so this Friday at 9 p.m. at the CBC Nature of Things. Is that correct? Yeah, that's it. And it's also available for streaming on the the CBC Gem uh, website or their their streaming app. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time for this interview. I am really excited to watch this film. And yeah, have a great day. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. (laughs) Bye-bye. Ciao. Hello, hello. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed that interview. Um, I am back, uh, if you can tell. Anyways, so I'm going to continue with a shout-out to Certified. Um, So we were going to watch Certified on November 1st, the opening night. But there was an emergency and we couldn't attend. We will still, I mean, not me, Lua is going to go. I am not available, unfortunately, uh, the next two weeks to see most things, which is unfortunate because I love reviewing. Uh, but look at it on the bright side. Lua's going to go and she's going to do an amazing review. Her reviews are always great. And so you may be wondering, what is certified? Well, I am here to tell you that Certified is Jen Derbyshire's uh, hilarious and heart-aching journey through mental health system. So uh, I'm just going to read this because I do not want to butcher it. (laughs) So with refreshing humor, this memoir play cracks open the stigma around mental health and waits for your response. Comedian and certified insane person Jan Derbyshire turns the audience into a mental health review board to help determine her current state of sanity. Through this fiercely funny one-woman show, Jan tells you all about her experience being certified a total of eight times and how she got to where she is today. Join the irreverent fun of Jan's journey through the mental health system and grapple with hefty questions like, how do we define crazy and who gets to decide? In this case, you do. And um, this sounds amazing, not gonna lie. As a psychology major, mental health is always really interesting to me. And the fact that this says that um, the woman who wrote and is in the show it has been <laughs> certified a, a total of eight times is just really interesting and so certified is playing at the Van City Culture Lab until November 16th so you have 10 more days you can go tonight if you want to and it's at 8 p.m. Um, and <laughs> well yeah Anyways, the general tickets are $35 and it's the student. Hey, if you're a student or a senior or if you're an artist, $20. Um, So uh, and I feel like because this is a student radio, most um, listeners are students. So you get $20. Hey, and if you're not, $15 of difference isn't that much for a great play. And 
it is i mean she's a comedian so just because it's about mental health don't expect it to be super duper heavy and that you will be leaving sad <laughs> i mean i don't know maybe you will leave sad but i feel like um a comedian uh wouldn't make you feel sad anyways i said sad way too many times so <laughs> before we go into our adam psa break i just would like to remind everybody that the vancouver turkish film festival is coming up and so there are a lot of film festivals happening in vancouver also the vancouver Asia asian film festival is coming up too um But as a Turkish person myself, I would like to um, tell everybody that VTFF is amazing. Yes, I am a little <laughs> biased towards this because, as I said, I am Turkish. But this does not mean that it'll affect any of my reviews. Um, because, you know, if I do not like a movie, I am gonna say it. I mean, I told everybody how uncomfortable I was with Mr. Jones from VIF. That was the International Film Festival. Because there were some really uncomfortable moments. And I, I mean, in general, yes, it was a good movie, but it wasn't my favorite. And I said it. And if any of the movies in VTFF are like this to you, I will say it. And um, hello, good news. So wait, before the good news, I want to give some more information about this. So so that, you know, you know when it's happening, where it's happening, all that jazz. So the Vancouver Turkish Film Festival is happening from November 15th until the 17th. It is at the SFU Gold Corp Center for the Arts. And you can find all of the information online um yeah there are also discussion panels uh there's a discussion panel that's happening on saturday november 16th at 2 p.m it's about women in film so if you're interested about women in film um make sure to catch this panel because there is an executive director of women in film and television a turkish actor a director a freelance TV producer, and they're just <laughs> uh, it's a lot of cool stuff. Anyways, yeah, make sure to check out the movies. Um, and if you're enjoying any of those, hey, good news. Yes, let's get to the good news. We're doing a ticket go away. And you might be thinking, hey, what are you, you know, there are so many movies. It's a film festival. That's what it is. Multiple movies. Which, which movie are the tickets for? Well, you're in luck because the tickets are festival passes. So basically you can go to any movie you want. You can see all of them. For the three days that it's going on, 15th, 16th, 17th, or you could see one or two. It is totally up to you. And <laughs> yeah, so uh, how to enter in the giveaway, that is a important part of the giveaway, right? Yes. <laughs> so make sure you like us on Facebook. We are The Arts Report at CITR 101.9 FM on Facebook and follow from fall and man words if you do not have Facebook follow us on Instagram we are art support CIT, C, CITR arts report yeah no arts report CITR I always mix this up I'm really sorry so inst our Instagram is arts report CITR and just send us a message the first person to send us a message will get two festival passes so you can take a friend with you to any of the movies you want and i mean you might win it so make sure you make sure you you wow what is the word <laughs> i am not good with words today <laughs> Yeah, make sure you enter it. Yes, that is the word. Man. Okay, you know what? Instead of just... Yep, see, I can't find words yet. Instead of making you go through all of this, I am just gonna quickly... We're just gonna go to the ads and PSA break. That is super short, so we'll be back shortly. And then after that, we have another interview... It is for, for the turn of the screw, 
And yeah, just <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> the Vancouver International Mountain Film Festival's Fall Series is back, presenting an adventure-packed weekend, including a mountain bike show that features North Vancouver's Elodie Brown and Leslie K. Meyer. They'll be talking about the film Bikepacking and Boat Living, A Tale of Traveling by Land and Sea. Film screenings will take place at 7.30 p.m. from November 14th to 19th at both the Centennial and Rio Theatre, with an added screening of the popular Real Rock Climbing Films on November 17th at 3 p.m. For more info, visit vimff.org. Are you a BIPOC individual at UBC who's interested in journalism? Well, the UBC, UBC official student newspaper, has a dedicated space for you. The UBC staff and UBC journalism students have launched the Canadian Journalists of Colour UBC Chapter Facebook group. We're also aiming to host meetings, speakers and workshops in the near future. You can search for us on Facebook or give us a shout at coordinating at ubc.ca. Hey everyone, just a quick note, this interview was recorded on November 5th on a Tuesday, and so you will hear some references to time, just keep that in mind when we are saying today or tomorrow. Thank you so much, and enjoy! Hello everyone, I'm Luva, and I'm happy to be here today with Tanya Madivana. And she is the artistic director of Enigma Theatre and also the director of The Turn of the Screw by Jeffrey Hatcher, from, based on a novel by Henry James. Hello, Tanya. Hi. How are you today? Pretty good. We're just in tech, so pretty busy. <laughs> pretty busy. And opening nights tomorrow, right? That's right. Yeah. Excited for that? Uh, yeah, very much so. We've been rehearsing for two months, so it'll be nice to actually see it on the stage. Yeah, um, I'm really curious to see how it's all going to turn out. And so just to start off, The Turn of the Screw is kind of like a ghost story Mm -hmm. play. That's not something Mm -hmm. that we usually see. So can you tell us a little bit more about the story? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sorry, I'm just going to get away from this noise right here. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it's based on the 19th century novel by Henry James. And uh, it's about this governess that uh, gets hired to take care of these two recently orphaned children at an isolated English uh, manor in the countryside. And um, slowly she becomes convinced that she's haunted and that the kids are possessed. So the story kind of unravels from there. Interesting. I feel that Mm -hmm. that's a story that a lot of people, I mean, a lot of horror movies are kind of Mm -hmm. like that. I guess I didn't even know, I didn't, I never realized it was based on this old 19th century novel. Yeah. Yeah. If you've ever actually seen The Others uh, with Nicole Kidman, that was inspired by The Turn of the Screw. And actually, um, the second season is, um, there was a Netflix show called The Haunting of Hill House that came out like last year. And so the second season, which oddly enough is coming out, I think in January, is actually based on The Turn of the Screw as well so it's weird that this um we are sort of seeing a resurgence of this novel wow i'm so excited because the others is my favorite mo- suspense movie of all times oh yeah, uh, <laughs> mine too actually yeah and the hunting of hill house is also an amazing series loved it so much <laughs> very excited i mean yeah. i was already excited now i'm just more excited <laughs> oh, that's awesome and so uh, when was this play adapted from a novel to a book? Um, it was adapted sort of the late 90s. I think the first production went up in New York in 1999. Um, as far as I know, there have been other adaptations, but this particular adaptation was sort of like the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and then it's been done sort of sporadically, and I um, discovered it sort of last year, and it was a really weird, really interesting adaptation because there's actually only two actors. So uh, my actress, Sarah Roa, plays the governess, of course, uh, and then David Bloom, who's a very well-known industry actor, he just plays everyone else. <laughs> yeah, that's inten- that sounds very intense. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so yeah. Um, was that why you were drawn to this play? Because it was kind of challenging to only work with two actors? Yeah, I mean, I do I do have a fondness for, for small cast, and I like very character-rich, you know, text-based 
plays. And um, I knew I wanted to do a spooky show this year because I'm a huge horror fan. And you don't really get to see a lot of horror in um, theater, especially in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So um, because it's so challenging to do horror on stage. So I wanted to try that. And um, actually, I wanted to do The Woman in Black first, but I couldn't get the rights to it because it was touring North America. So I was just sort of searching for every any other play I could find, and I came across this one. And I'd read the novel years ago. And, uh, yeah, it was just such a weird, such an interesting adaptation. And the idea of it being a two-hander was really challenging, and I always love a challenge. So, yeah. And has it been as challenging as you expected? Less? Yeah. And I decided to make it even more challenging because um, we're actually staging it very unconventionally. We're doing it alley style, which means essentially the audience faces each other and the stage is in the middle. Oh, Um, interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So it's actually, um, it's pretty challenging to block that to make sure that, you know, everyone can see at least someone at all times. Um, So that was an added challenge as well. And just, um, there's not too much in terms of background for these characters. Everything's implied, everything's subtext. So, you know, really taking the time to sketch out character motivations and backstories and stuff has been challenging, but also really fun. That's so cool. Um, And I was wondering for you, how much of the story is really a ghost story and how much of it is just truly human? Right. Uh, That was another thing that drew me to this um, this play, really, is because um, novel was one of the first to really incorporate more modern psychology. Um, where we don't know if the ghosts are real or not. And um, really, one of the things that I love so much about, we were just talking about the haunting of Hill House, was that the true horror in that, for me, was um, was very much the human element, you know, the dysfunction and the family drama. So it's equally, I think, that. I think it's really up to the audience to decide whether or not the ghosts that we feel the ghost that we maybe see who knows uh are real or whether the governess is just you know slowly unraveling from the situation and also from past trauma i see that's Mm -hmm. very interesting and is because this play was well i guess adapted in the 90s but written in the 19th century um Mm -hmm. is it still set in the 19th century have you done anything to modernize it or is there an aspect of modernity to it um, it's it's definitely still set in the 19th century. Um, our set is very interesting because it's kind of abstract. Um, the only thing that really sets it in a specific time are the costumes. So we're doing 19th century costumes. But in terms of a, a location, um, everything's very abstract. The lighting's very innovative. And really, I mean, I wanted it to seem like we're in the governess's head. So we're always seeing what she sees. So the ghosts are very much real to her. Whether they're real or not, who can say? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And so my other question is the turn of the screw. Yeah. I don't really understand this title. Is there, where does it come from? So as far as I know, the turn of the screw actually refers to like the turning of a screw and the tightening and the tension and suspense. So um, I think that's what that's what um, Henry James was referring to, or at least that's one interpretation of it. It's like a, it's like a saying that goes along with like the creation of tension, the creation of you know someone um, getting so tense and tight that they slowly begin to unravel. Wow! Yeah, that sounds that actually makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and do you want to remind us when? when the play is going on and where? Yes, so it's actually opening tomorrow, so Wednesday the 6th, and it runs for six shows all the way to Sunday the 10th. Most are at 8 o'clock at night, um, as, and we also have a matinee on Saturday at 2 p.m., and it's running at Studio 16 in Vancouver. Um, opening night is actually almost sold out, so I would say get your tickets ahead of time, and you can get them at theaterwire.com. Oh, very excited. Um, very happy to hear that it's almost so out too. Yeah. And it sounds like an amazing play. And next show, well, not this Wednesday, the Wednesday after that, we will also be having a review of the show, which should be very interesting. 
Um, so yeah, thank you so much for taking your time to have this interview with us. Thank you so much. I hope the play goes amazingly. (laughs) Thank you so much. And we look forward to having you here Um, this Sunday, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Hello. I'm back again. (laughs) And um, yes, I hope you enjoyed that I was gonna say video that that was not a video um I hope you enjoyed that interview and we have more reviews coming with Lua right now who just entered the studio so that's great timing (laughs) yeah and I literally have nothing else to say hello Lua oh I have so many shout outs because there's so much happening this week. Yeah, um, we so I shouted out Certified already. So yeah. people know about it. I'm very excited for Certified. Yeah. Especially because it's going to start a conversation about, well, not start. I mean, I feel that this conversation has started a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, not a while back. I mean, it's pretty recent. But, you know, there aren't that many plays that take on mental illness and try to make it yeah, funny. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And so, other than Certified, which we will have a review on next show, mm-hmm. very excited. Um, we have the Discovered Dance ser- series of, um, wow, the Dance Center. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Dance That. Yes. And also, we have a shout out to Slice of Life. Yeah, so the Dance Center is presenting the Discover Dance Series. They have this every year. Um, so if you like it, if you catch it, usually make sure you catch this one too. If you don't, hey, this is new. This is exciting. So uh, the on November 14th um, at noon and also 6.30 p.m., the Vancouver Tap Society will be at the Discover Dance Series. And by the way, this is happening at the Scotiabank Dance Center. Not theater. The Scotiabank Dance Center. And that's a tap dancing thing, right? Yes, yes, it is. If you love tap dancing. I mean, I've always wanted to learn tap dancing. Unfortunately, I won't be able to make it to this one. But hopefully, if they have it again, yeah i'll be out there yeah i would want to to tap yeah (laughs) oh my god tap i just because like also i'm really into musical theater and musical theater uses tap dance a lot i just really want to learn it but unfortunately november 14th i can't go either so make sure you go and you discover tap dancing for us again that's at the scotiabank dance center at 12 o'clock noon and 6 30 p.m so they have two yeah that's that's great and before that if you're looking for something to do this weekend um the french and the uh anne Moller is having fashion shows across canada um and it's happening this weekend from tomorrow november 7th to november 11th mm-hmm. um at the vancouver convention center it's um going to be a signature shows there's going to be an art ma- market um and some different things should be pretty cool if you're into fashion this is an event to check out for sure yeah um something else i wanted to um give a shout out to is a free screening of the of a v6a film (coughs) sorry Uh, it's from the heart of the from the heart of the city festival v6a at the Carnegie Center on November 9th at 1 p.m. And it's going to be followed by a panel discussion on housing justice with city. Oh, well, yeah. The, the, if you're the, hearing it, it's the medicine show, by the way. They're going to be coming up after us. Is that a pipe? Like a, um, a Scottish pipe? I d- no, it doesn't look like a pipe. I don't know. It's intri- Well, I'm sure they will tell all about it in, the show, in their show. So yeah. hey. But anyway, the documentary <laughs> is screening completely for free, which is really cool. Yes. It's called V6A, and it is about... Um, it's about... Well, it's about the struggle of homelessness, poverty, and addiction, and uh, should be really cool on downtown Eastside. So it is about Vancouver... And it's happening November 9th at 1 p.m. for free at the Carnegie Community Center Main Theater. Oh, my God. So many <laughs> things. 
<laughs> something else that's also happening this weekend on November 9th is a showcase of five novels that have been written over the past seven years um, by Axel Matfin. Um, and he considers it the volume one of the body of his work. If you're interested in literature, this event will have a few different things. There will be drinks and music and books for sale. And you get to... Oh, yeah. So, and you get to meet the artist, the author. And that is at the Slice of Life Gallery on November 9th. And... Nice. Oh, my God. Is there more? I don't know if there's more. I think there's more. <laughs> No, I there's so not much more. stuff happening. That's there why. is so much stuff happening, it's which just, is really exciting. Yeah. Um, and so, do you want to? Yeah, it is. I feel like Silvana has. Oh. Yeah, but I feel like before Silvana starts her review, also Silvana just joined us in the studio. Hello, Silvana. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thanks. How are you? <laughs> yeah. So, bef- I don't want to cut her review short. So, okay. let's go into the Adam PSA break first. Yes. And okay. then we'll be back with uh, Silvana. Nice. Okay, bye. Alexa, what's a world without music? Okay. Here's what I found for World Without Music. Bleak and dreary and empty. Boring. Really boring. I wouldn't say dead, but... Really grim. A disaster. It's a world I don't want to live in. Luckily, we don't have to live in that world. And if keeping music alive in this world is important to you, come out to the fundraiser for CITR's music department. It's happening Saturday, November 9th at Redgate and will feature the musical stylings of local favorites, Ponytails, Sleepy Gonzales, and Kylie V. Doors at 8, $10 suggested donation at the door, though no one turned away for lack of funds. That's Saturday, November 9th. Come shake a leg and show your love for CITR's music department. Wow, that sounds lit. What a strange way to be brought together. The ones they've loved have been wounded or died. Everyone dies. Yes, but everyone isn't killed. In a way, being loved is like being told you never have to die. UBC Theater and Film presents Timothy Findlay's The Wars, adapted by Dennis Garnham, directed by Lois Anderson, taking us deep inside the mind of a soldier and catapulting us into the mud, smoke, and chlorine gas of the front line in France in World War I. Emerging artists tell the story of soldiers and their families, not much older than they are now. Timothy Finley's The Wars is ultimately life-affirming, proving that human connection is all. November 7th to 23rd, Frederickwood Theatre. Tickets for students only 11.50. Theaterfilm.ubc.ca Hello, we're back. Hi. Hello, everyone. Hi. <laughs> so Silvana. let's start with how was Paco de Lucia? Lucia? Um, it was really, really good. Um, I went to this event at the Chan Center. Um, it's called uh, Flamenco Legends, the Paco de Lucia project. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know much about going in other than I knew the name Paco de Lucia. Paco de Lucia is like one of the most influential um flamenco artists uh, that's been like well recently Mm -hmm. um and like he uh, he was because he um, passed away in 2014 a a world-renowned spanish guitarist and is wildly considered flamenco's most influential artist he greatly extended both the reach and the vocabulary of the traditional andalusian music and combined astonishing virtuosity with deep passion in his performances, according oh. to like what it, what it says about the project. Mm-hmm. So, um, I didn't I didn't know that much about his history. I just knew that he was really important, and I had heard like some of his most popular flamenco songs, like mm-hmm. um, "Entre dos Aguas," like "Between Two Waters" is one of the most famous one. I like I have it in my phone. Like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> like it's pretty good. Um, but it was very interesting to learn so much more uh, about him even though he was not present mm-hmm. but the um, um the flamenco legends is literally it was it was six guys like uh like a flamenco ensemble mm-hmm. um it consisted of bass harmonica guitar vocals percussion dance and dance so like i did not okay. know that it was gonna be like 
dance involved? Yeah, there was what there were there was flamenco like dancing. Yeah, That's so it nice. wasn't like it's actually really interesting like that encounter with like the dancing part mm-hmm. because I had like I did not expect it, and even though I've been to Spain, for instance, I've never like been to those like touristy like oh yeah like you mm-hmm. see like the flamenco girls Same, and all that like yeah. I haven't done that, but this like this performance it was um. It was done by um, his like artistic name is Faru from okay. like short from far, for for like Farruko. Um, so it was a male f- flamenco dancer. Yes, male Ooh. flamenco dancer. They there were six males, six uh, Spanish. Uh, they were all like Spanish except for one, the bassist. Mm-hmm. But um, like he's really fluent in the genre. He's really fluent mm-hmm. in all that, and it's actually an amazing bass player like I was actually like wow like chills and all I was like yikes wow um and a super cool style you know and he also sung so that was okay really cool really really cool so anyway um Farru like his actual name is Antonio Fernandez Montoya Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah just double checking Um, (laughs) just double checking um and like his brother is also a flamenco dancer, like also really renowned. Okay. Um. So, like, yeah, he comes from like a very like dance like family. Mm-hmm. Um, and the performance was so cool. Like everybody just like felt the energy when he started dancing. Everybody was like, "Ole!" <laughs> and like, "Eh!" And like, "Faru!" Like you're a legend and stuff like that. Because like, because <laughs> you like heard people um. In, like, in, just in the reception, you could hear that lots of people, like, actually, like, know flamenco. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were, like, you know, like, it's really nice to, like, see, like, a piece of, like, your country or your culture, like, in abroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and this show was actually their last um, of their North American tour. So Vancouver was the oh. was the end. So, like, they were really grateful with the audience. And it was, yeah. it was really, really nice. Um, one of them... Um, Antonio Serrano in the harmonica, like, is the one that they usually, like, spoke in English, but the others just, like, straight up, like, went, (laughs) spoke in Spanish, you know? (laughs) But it was really, really nice. Um, So, I have no idea that, like, the flamenco today, like, is this whole, like, ensemble with, like, for instance, a harmonica. I had Mm -hmm. no idea that that was, like, part of it. But actually, Paco de Lucia and this man, Antonio Serrano, are, like, both of the pi- both are the pioneers of bringing it to the genre. Bringing harmonica. Yeah. Oh wow. Interesting. So it was really really interesting. Like he plays lots of different things. Like um, you know, like more like folky songs. Like it's kind of like where you would like hear the harmonica or something mm-hmm. like that. That's like the popular like association with it. But I had no idea. Like it was, it was a thing in flamenco like so like so little ago, and. It sounds really, really good, actually. It I really, really like the sound. And they're all virtuosos in their instrument. They all really, really know their instruments, their range. Mm-hmm. They really, really, like, know. And it's flamenco legends because they all are somehow, like, or were, are and were, <laughs> connected to um, Paco de Lucia, so have performed with him. Okay. Uh, and have been part of his, assemb- his ensembles. Actually, the guitarist is Antonio Sanchez, is his nephew. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. I would feel, like, the pressure. Oh, God. Carrying but, yeah. the name. Oof. Exactly. And it, and it's the guitar, so it's, like, pretty difficult. Yeah. Um, but it was a, a really, really nice, very, like, sensitive, like, you know, paying tribute to, like, their master, their friend. Um, so they played songs written by him and songs of um well Paco de Lucia has also collaborated with a um, other um more like world music uh figures uh, including uh, Carlos Santana from Santana <laughs> <laughs> um Chick Corea uh, so they played a song by Chick Corea mm-hmm. uh, called España <laughs> so naturally you know um and he's also like collaborated with um John McLaughlin and Eric Clapton for instance like well well you know he was alive um <laughs> but so like they pre-tribute in that way and it was just a really really nice show uh, like overall and I really really enjoyed it um so yeah um there there was actually a pre-show talk with Rosario and Ser and Victor Colset, 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were uh, they were talking about like what the project is about uh, generally i couldn't make it to the talk because it was like way before and it was like restricted seats so we had to like rsvp and i like had something to do earlier in the <laughs> night so I, could, I didn't i didn't know if i was gonna make it so anyway um but the show as such was really really good mm-hmm. so i'm really happy i went and the chant center is beautiful for like concerts in general the yeah. acoustics were really good and yeah i really really <laughs> liked it <laughs> i don't know I'm, I'm just happy that um flamenco like opera mm-hmm. it's like kind of this very specified art and you know it's it's never died and i don't think it ever will yes mm-hmm. but i'm really happy to come to see flamenco coming into the mainstream because i absolutely adore flamenco mm-hmm. with rosalia yeah um She's yeah. bringing it and kind of like reviving the entire thing of flamenco, and I'm so happy about yeah. it. Yeah, it's really, really cool. And with that being said, I would like to talk about um, an exhibition that is currently happening at the Bill, Bill Reed Gallery yes. um, downtown. The Bill Reed Gallery is a block away from the Vancouver Art Gallery. Mm-hmm. So if you're ever near the Vancouver <laughs> Art Gallery and you want to go to another gallery, the Bill Reed Gallery is definitely a place to go. It's a p- pretty intimate gallery, it has two floors. Um, very very beautiful building in a very in an old um very much Art Deco, mm-hmm. um style building. Um, so the Bill Reed Gallery does have uh basically half of the entire floor dedicated to Bill Reed, but I want to talk about the Out of a Concealment exhibition specifically, which celebrates Indigenous feminine power, and it is Terry Lim William Davids. Williams Davidson um, first solo exhibition um, and this is a series the entire series that she has created is are 40 images however exhibited there are only 20 and there is a book that collects all the images and the explanations mm-hmm. and so what Terry Lynn did was she is part of the Haida um, Haida Nation and so what she did is growing up with all these legends and all these myths and all this, all these mythologies, different mythologies. Um, she was really inter- interested in the female power in these myth- in these myths, and so she decided to personify the different elements in these myths by making herself into these spirits or making them herself into these women Mm -hmm. and these are photoshop collages they are very obviously collages um and i don't know i have a lot of mixed feelings about this series so it's not like a it's trying to be a seamless photoshop it's more of a it's not see it's a collage that's the thing that's the thing i that's my in between thing about this mm-hmm. the show this series is that f- on one perspective it does try to seem Listen. like it's normal uh-huh. like it's natural oh, okay. but it's so obviously not that i kind of wish it was completely intent on one side or the other like oh, this very okay. in between feels very awkward to me but i will give i will say that it's a very interesting series and it's very interesting how she reinterprets these legends and these spirits and these entities into a physical form by overlaying them not only with herself in a background but also symbols and um what are they called <laughs> i don't know um when you have a flag and it has what um, a coat of arms yeah not the coat of arms but like a coat of arms Hmm. like the symbols I, that represent these entities okay there's a word for it and i can't remember it right now <laughs> it's me, it's like literally right at the tip of my tongue but i can't know, remember it do you know it in any other language nope no. <laughs> okay so the dictionary won't help either <laughs> yeah but anyway it is um it is it takes indigenous oral traditions and supernatural beings and kind of brings them into a reality mm-hmm. and the dresses she wears and the makeup she wears it's all very 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 high end and it contrasts a lot with the very naturey background that she puts oh, herself in okay. and so it's definitely an interesting series to take a look at read the explanations i think this series only works really with the explanation of what each 
thing element she's trying to represent is Mm -hmm. i don't think it works independently unless you already have that knowledge somehow Mm -hmm. so wait do they have the explanations like next to the so every piece does have a paragraph or two explaining the myth that it comes from um the other thing i found is that certain pieces i found absolutely amazing and beautiful and i love them so much and then others were very much underwhelming for me mm-hmm. um however those pieces that it were um that i found that that i found beautiful for example um it's are you looking at the name yeah it's the pro- it's the, one of the promo shots they have mm-hmm. it's about the creation myth of the Haida, oh, okay. of the Haida people and I think I like it so much is because it is a little bit more seamless than some of the other images. And I feel that when it was seamless and there were moments of it being seamless, it allowed me to kind of be more into that, like immerse myself Mm -hmm. more into that narrative and immerse myself more and try to understand more what they're bringing out of it. Whether when it was kind of like mismatched or I could obviously see that the, this Photoshop was, you know clearly photoshop it was kind of like oh the lack of mastery takes me away from trying to portray see it as more than just an image Mm -hmm. the other part about this gallery exhibition that i thought was really cool is that besides the book with all the images that there are that she has created there's also a picture book for children which is really cool and the picture book actually illustrates the images she has created Mm -hmm. as part of the series and part of me some of them i actually liked better when they were illustrated because they seemed so seamless right because Mm -hmm. i understand that reality and i take that reality as like i do i see that image as an illustration i'm like okay that is completely real Mm -hmm. rather in the photograph i'm like i can see where you're taking these different elements Mm -hmm. from yeah and the the children's book was beautiful 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 and it's it is for sale at the bill reed gallery which is is a really nice cool cool little place to go um there was also um a video series where terry lynn was singing she's a songwriter as well and composer and i think what's really interesting above all is that her actual profession is being a lawyer lawyer oh so she's a lawyer who happens to also be a visual artist and a musician. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, that that's that's so pretty cool. cool. Um, and I, it's, as her first solo exhibition, it is a very like monumental step for her. Mm-hmm. She did have videos shown there as well. Um, and like I said, I think that this is a worthwhile show to see. And it's running until April, so you do have some time. Oh, a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's running until April, so you do have some time. It is a worthwhile show to see. Um, some of the images weren't my favorite, but that's like a matter of personal choice. And because I work so much with Photoshop, I do have that background. Yeah, also, that's yeah, kind was... of like makes me be taken aback when I see not seamless stuff mm-hmm, i get that also i was gonna say i'm sorry i interrupted you like three times oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> art is really subjective like yeah. yeah yeah what i like you don't have to like and what you like i might not like so i mean who knows you might end up going to the bill reed gallery and enjoying everything except the seamless ones and that's your taste and we can't say anything about that just make sure you catch it to know to you know see what you like and what you dislike you don't know (laughs) until you go exactly and the other thing as well is that um regardless of the seamlessness of the photoshop and the collaging um she does have a very interesting take on only representing female spirits and only representing female supernatural beings and so it does highlight the importance of femininity and the importance of female sexuality because all these images they aren't they aren't women that are passive they are very like she's wearing really like 15 in 15 centimeter heels in a few of these oh. like it's very intensely oh. sexual not intensely sexual in the way that you're thinking <laughs> but like <laughs> it it's very different from the way most people think about indigenous women as passive mm-hmm. beings yes and it's not like these cultures and it's said in the the gallery exhibition 
um, the curator's note. <laughs> oh my god, they are. They're, I think doing, doing vocal warm-ups or something like that. Yeah. Cool. Um, so <laughs> lost my tra- train of yes. thought. My point is taking on the sexuality, taking on and re, like, and re-empowering yourself with that. Something that hasn't been I haven't seen before, which was really nice. And regardless of what the quality of the images, the idea of the pieces is there. And it's that's just for that is worthwhile seeing. And with that, yes, that's- um, I'm guessing they're pretty much ready to come yes. into the studio <laughs> uh, with all ready. the local exercises and everything. <laughs> so thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next week. We have a lot of stuff planned for you. Um, a lot of reviews. And enjoy the medicine show. I'm 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 pretty sure it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, it seems, <laughs> I do, yeah. It seems interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye everyone. Yeah.